This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College. Join them for two weeks digging up dinosaur bones from the Jurassic period in Northwest Colorado this summer. For details, go to cncc.edu slash dinodig. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello and welcome to I Know Dino. I'm Garrett. And I'm Sabrina. This week in our 273rd episode, we have a bunch of dinosaur news, including a new tyrannosaur. And we're also going to talk about our recent trip to the gem show in Tucson, where we saw some cool new dinosaur stuff. And we have dinosaur of the day, Ekrix Inatosaurus. But before we get into all of that, we want to thank some of our patrons. And this week, we'd like to thank Chris, Nicholas, Trent Carbajal, Stefan, Taya, Stego Sophie, Ayumi, Paula Canthus, Jackson Crawford, Sorian Brandy, Mayu, Dino Bo, Mello Stego, Wurgersaurus, Kaylin, and Duncansaurus. Yeah, thank you so much for all of your support. And uh, one of the perks of being a patron is you can request dinosaurs. We just got a few new ones, so stay tuned for those. And there's lots of other cool rewards if you join our community at patreon.com slash Dino. Jumping into the news, our new Tyrannosaur was requested by Ad Astra on Discord. They actually requested it as a dinosaur of the day, but since it's brand new, we just cover it in the news section instead. And this one was published in Cretaceous Research. It's behind a paywall, so we mostly based it on a Smithsonian article by Riley Black, but the original paper was written by Jared Vorisa and others. And in it, they describe a new tyrannosaur. It was actually found way back in 2010 in Alberta, Canada. Originally, it was thought to be the existing genus Despletosaurus, but now they gave it a new genus name, and that is Thanatotheristes degrutorum. Sounds like a Marvel character or an amalgamation of them, Thanos and Groot. Yeah, that's true. It does. I didn't think of that. The Thanos part, I did look up because I was wondering if it was related to Thanos because Thanatos is the god of death in Greek mythology. And I was thinking, is that what Thanos comes from? Are they really based on the same Greek root? But when I looked into the origin of the word Thanos, I couldn't find anything. Maybe someone else knows, but I don't think it came from the same root. I think it's just a separate thing. But it is weird because just a year or two ago, there was a dinosaur named Thanos, which is an abelosaurid from Brazil. So it could be confusing since they have similar names and they're found around the same time. But fortunately, since that was an abelosaurid and this one is a tyrannosauroid, we shouldn't be confused. But they were from around the same time. Thanos, the dinosaur, was only a couple million years earlier than Thanatotherestes. So they were close, but not maybe exactly overlapping. It's hard to say since we're basing both of them on just one find. So the full name, Thanatotherestes, means reaper of death because it's combined with the word for reaper along with that god of death, Thanatos. 
And Degrutorum is after John and Sandra de Groot, who found the dinosaur. Often the case, if you find a dinosaur and give it up to science, then it might get named after you. Yep. And this one was found in Alberta, Canada, where you don't really have a choice. <laughs> You're legally required to give it up to science. <laughs> and that's what they did. Thanatotherestes is from the Mid-Campanian, which puts it about 80 million years old, about 2 million years older than Displetosaurus, as well as Thanos, the dinosaur. <laughs> I always feel like I have to say the dinosaur because when you say Thanos, you don't think dinosaur first. They didn't really find much of Thanatotherestes, which might be why it took them 10 years to write this paper because it didn't look super exciting, and then also why they might have just assumed it was Displetosaurus because all they found was the front of the lower jaw, part of the upper jaw, and a few small pieces from the rest of the skull. So it's really just a fragmentary skull is all they have to go on. But even with such a fragmentary find, they did find several unique features about it. I think they found like three to five features that they said were unique enough to put together and make it its own genus. And since it's about two million years older, than Displetosaurus earlier in the fossil record, it gives you a good guess that it probably isn't the exact same species at the very least as Displetosaurus. Because otherwise, you look at it and you see this really fragmentary skull and you think, well, that could just be individual variation or something. But if it's more than two million years apart, that's when we generally start to see the assumption that, well, most species don't last for more than a couple million years. So it's likely its own species based on that alone. Very roughly, it's about 8 meters or 26 feet long, and I say very roughly because just basing it on a few pieces of skull is not a great way to come up with a length estimate of a dinosaur, but it gives you a rough idea. It's basically a similar size to the Spletosaurus. One of the more interesting elements of this paper has to do with a Tyrannosaurid group as a whole. Basically, the fact that we found this dinosaur so close to Displetosaurus and having quite a few differences implies that there wasn't just a series of monogeneric successive sister taxa, as the authors put it, meaning that it wasn't just one Tyrannosaurid evolving into the next Tyrannosaurid evolving to the next Tyrannosaurid. It was a complicated evolutionary path that's all bushy and not just one genus evolving from the next. So essentially that means that we didn't just have T-Rex evolving directly from Eutyrannus with a bunch of individual genera in between. It was more complicated than that, which is always how it goes <laughs> when you learn more about evolution. It's always so much messier than you originally figure out. Every new discovery comes with at least two new missing links, as they say. Who's they? evolutionary oh. <laughs> <laughs> experts. I've heard that described when talking about human evolution. We just keep getting more and more missing links. That's true. I was just reading about a new one for human evolution and we're much more recent, so probably easier to piece together. Yeah. With humans, you talk about tens of thousands of years and dinosaurs, you find one and then you find one two million years <laughs> different. So there's hundreds. It's got a hundredth of the resolution basically. So in the end, what they ended up with was the idea that not only did we have different tyrannosaurs in different regions, but they were in different regions at the same time. So it wasn't just T-Rex all over the US and North America dominating everything. There were different tyrannosaurs in different places. And that also probably was happening in Asia, although we don't have enough fossils there yet to specifically see them overlapping. And at the end of Tyrannosauridae, 
you've got two different groups now. There's Displetosaurini and Tyrannosaurini. So Displetosaurini is Displetosaurus and this new dinosaur, Thanatotherestes. And then in Tyrannosaurini, you've got Tyrannosaurus, Tarbosaurus, and Jucheng Tyrannus, which is obviously from Asia, although Tarbosaurus also is. But I'm sure in the future, we'll have even more in these groups and they'll probably split out these groups into more complicated things. <laughs> it's just going to get messier and messier, but it's cool because there's a lot more tyrannosaurs popping up all over the place. So if you're a fan of tyrannosaurs, you've got a whole bunch of new dinosaurs to look into. In raptor world, though. <laughs> As opposed to tyrannosaur world. Yeah. <laughs> Utah might have a new Utah raptor state park. Utah raptor is the state dinosaur. So there's plans in the works. It would be Utah's 45th state park. And this one would protect Dalton Wells Quarry, where Utah Raptor was first found. So that makes sense. There's not too many details yet because it's pretty early in the process, but we'll keep you updated as we hear. Yeah, it'd be fun. Utah Raptor State Park sounds cool. For artists or anyone interested in illustrations, you can now download more than 150,000 illustrations of the natural world via the Open Access Biodiversity Heritage Library. So they have animal sketches, watercolor paintings, lithograph prints and black ink line work and illustrations go back as far as the mid 1400s through the early 1900s yeah mid 1400s yeah so that was back when these illustrations would have been all scientists had to go on if they didn't because you know they don't have pictures they also kind of track how the world's changing and then how our views of the world has changed over the years if you think about the different artist portrayals yeah that's really cool In New Mexico, the Museum of Natural History and Science is asking for people to vote on a name for their new animatronic Beastie Beast, or maybe Beastie, I'm not too sure how to pronounce it. It's a dinosaur based on the real skull that's on display in the museum. So your options, if you want to vote, are Juniper, Bella, Betty, Bailey, and Bonita the Beastie Beast, or Beastie Beast. And voting's open until March 14th. We'll give you the link if you want to do it. Last thanks to Daniel and Keith for sharing this one with us. So the Royal Mint in the UK released the Dinosaur Collection with commemorative 50 pence coins with dinosaurs that show Britain's contributions to paleontology. So there's three of them. They've got the three that Sir Richard Owen used to name Dinosauria, Megalosaurus, Iguanodon, and Hylaeosaurus. Coins range in price from £10 to £945 for the limited run gold proof, which that one's already sold out, so you won't be spending that much. <laughs> And Garrett already bought some. Yeah, someone posted in our Discord group, hey, there are these coins. And I immediately went to look at them. The gold ones were already out. Yeah, I wasn't really even considering the gold ones <laughs> because 945 pounds is a lot for a single coin, especially one that's worth 50 pence. Right. But the 10 pounds ones are a little more affordable. So I ordered the set of all three of those. And it sounds like they're going to mail them out individually as they mint the individual coins over time. I'm not sure how much it's going to end up costing and shipping, but I guess we'll see. Something to look forward to in the mail. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you're in the UK, the shipping's free, which is what it says on there. But then, you know, we're in the US, so we had to pay for international shipping. This week, we also went to the Gem Show in Tucson for the first time ever. People have been telling us about it for a long time. It's called the Tucson Gem Mineral and Fossil Showcase. Yeah, so it's not just (laughs) gems. Otherwise, what would we be doing there? But yeah, for shorthand, people usually call it the Gem Show. And it's the world's largest gem and mineral show. And read about it while we were there. It's really interesting. 
It started in 1955 with one show put on by the Tucson Gem and Mineral Society at an elementary school. And now there's 50 different shows and they have even a shuttle service between them. And they get about 65,000 visitors to Tucson for this show, which if you count all the different 50 shows or whatever, it goes basically two months, January through February. Well, January to mid-February, so a month and a half. Yeah, we ended up hitting up, I think, about eight different spots. We hit six or seven on the first day, and those were all basically either fossil-exclusive sites or places that had some cool fossils that we knew would be there. Well, one nice thing, because there was no way we were going to be able to see everything, was it seems to be, depending on what you're looking for, they're all in certain areas. So all the fossils were in one area of Tucson. Yeah, the ones that had specific fossils. But then there were a lot of shows that had an amalgamation of multiple things. True. So we probably missed a few fossils that were mixed in in these bigger shows, but we went to all the fossil-specific ones that we could. I think we found all the ones with the bigger displays, too. Yeah. We took pictures, so look out on our Instagram for photos. Yeah. So (laughs) it was pretty funny because the shows ranged from a huge tent in a parking lot. I'd say that's what most of the shows were, but some of them were in permanent buildings. Like there's a fossil and mineral society or something that when we went into that building, so it's like a permanent structure. And then kind of the opposite, because each area of the show or each show has a completely different feel to it. So you've got the permanent structures, like Garrett was saying, but then you've also got people who are set up in hotel rooms And you go to these hotel rooms and the doors are just open. And a lot of times there are gems and fossils that you can buy that are on display on the beds. (laughs) Or sometimes the beds were removed. I still don't know what happened to those beds. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because it looked like some of these hotels were sort of set up for the purpose because there were tons of suites on the first floor of these almost like motel style where you just walk from the parking lot directly into the door Mm -hmm. and there'd be a really big room and they would put in like beautiful display cases. Oh yeah, it would feel like a shop. Yeah, but it's, it's literally just a hotel room and they would have little signs on the door telling you it was a group from Morocco that was selling things and you'd go in and you'd see spinosaur teeth, but also some gems that were unique to Morocco or something. Right. We saw a lot of opal from Australia. Yeah. Some of the rooms were just completely filled with boxes too. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. It's definitely worth checking out at least once to see what it's like. Right. So yeah, you've got the hotel rooms, you've got the permanent buildings, then you've got people who set up tents, just giant tents yeah (laughs) full of things and then the main show which is actually in the convention center and they give out awards i think that might be why it's called the gem show because like a dog show they award winners (laughs) so there were blue ribbons on several things and display cases like this huge piece of opal that looked really cool right and they also offered lectures but it was mostly on gemstones so we didn't see any of the lectures yeah but there were quite a few fossil exhibitors that were there that had a lot of really awesome stuff the typical megalodon teeth were all over the place and as well as a lot of spinosaur teeth Mm -hmm. in tons of places and then various other theropod teeth. We saw one giant spinosaurus arm too. Yeah that was sort of articulated. It was a little unclear how much of it was actually dug up out of the ground versus was replica but it was one of the only times I've ever seen a spinosaurus arm recreated so that was neat. And there was also a humorous. One of the weird things about it is I could tell when you're selling to a private collector versus selling to a museum, it's got a different style of preparation to it because a lot of the bones, they would sort of over-prepare if there was a unique sort of gem quality to the inside of the bone. Like there was a humerus where they basically cut it in half 
and you could see inside the humerus that way or they would show teeth on a lot of the mammals and they would kind of polish down the tooth so you would see inside the teeth which obviously would make most scientists cringe <laughs> because you're sort of destroying that top layer of the fossil but for a private collector it might make it look a little more interesting the vendors at the show though they know just as much as the paleontologists we've talked to yeah in the most in most cases yeah there were a couple where there was like a t dash rex and we're like oh no what are you doing? Well, small things. We actually weren't able to talk to that person. We didn't see them at their booth. But the ones we were able to talk to could give us details about the quarry. Yeah, I think the best example was a Dinosaurs of America display where they showed this Diplodocus combined with an Allosaurus and Dryosaurus in one bone bed, which is actually near Dinosaur National Monument, where they're still excavating there. I think they said there's some Stegosaurus or something that they're still working on on the backside of the quarry, but it's got a ton of overburden. So even working eight months out of the year, they're three years in and still have a lot of work to do. So pretty epic <laughs> excavation work happening there. But the really cool thing about it that caught our eye was there was this bone in the front that had really clear tooth scrape marks on it on one end of a limb bone. So we had to ask them what it was and what caused it because it really looks extreme. Like a large portion of the end of this bone has been gouged off by teeth. And I think he said it was a femur of a diplodocus, if I'm not mistaken. It may have been a humerus. I can't remember exactly which limb bone it was, but a limb bone of a Diplodocus, which has been chewed on probably by an Allosaurus, because like I said, the Allosaurus was in that bone bed with it, and it was underneath an articulated Allosaurus. He said people were trying to buy just the limb bone that had been chewed on, but you had to buy it with the Allosaurus <laughs> that you know presumably was chewing on it yeah. when it got buried. So... That was the coolest find I thought that we saw at the gem show. Yeah, it's one of those things that you kind of have to know what you're looking at. And then you realize, wow, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, because everybody was looking at the Allosaurus up above it, even though they have a light pointed at the end of this limb bone that has these crazy, you know, gouge marks in it. If you don't know what you're looking at, people just walk right by that and don't notice how important it is. <laughs> Yeah, they were big too. Kind of reminded me like if you're combing your fingers in the sand and yeah. leaves those sorts of marks. Yeah, it was about that scale, like finger size gouges and a whole bunch of them kind of parallel. Yeah, but in bone. <laughs> yeah, I still don't really get how an Allosaurus was doing that. It's just crazy. Chewing out like a dog or something. Yeah. I found some cool art too. Uh, one of the tents dinosaur brokers had a display and ended up buying some greeting cards from an artist who made uh, it's dinosaurs in ballet costumes. There were a few other scenarios, but I liked the ballerina ones, especially the one of T-Rex as Black Swan, <laughs> the crazy makeup and everything. And then we saw next to Black Swan, there was, uh, I think it might've been Allosaurus as the white swan. Yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> They also sold a coloring book. This is an adult coloring book, so quick warning there. It was Dinosaur Kama Sutra, and it came with some explanations. I haven't had a chance to read the book too much yet, but they said that it was based on at least some scientific basis. <laughs> Maybe how the parts lined up. <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> 
Yeah, but the gem show was really cool. It was a lot of fun to check out all the different vendors and see the scale of it because everybody's been telling us for a long time how massive it is. And it's really massive in that it takes over the whole city more so than one individual location being massive. Mm -hmm. And then you see ads all over town for different sites to go to. Mm -hmm. And then even when we went to some of these tents, they said, go to our other location, which would be (laughs) across town. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But we didn't buy any fossils, partly because we can't afford anything that's really awesome. And also, I think even if we could, we'd feel guilty (laughs) that it wasn't in a museum. But if we ever get our dream of opening a museum, then we'll have to go there and stock up. Yeah. It also coincided nicely with their lantern festival at their zoo. And they had a little area of lit up dinosaurs, which were cool. Yep. Including a T-Rex that moved its arms slightly back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College, where you can become a part of the scientific process. As a participant, you can go on a real-life dinosaur dig, and you'll be helping to advance science and our understanding of the ancient world. What's really cool is that the fossilized bones that are being excavated, they're public, and they're going to be displayed and preserved for future generations to study and admire. Yeah, we've mentioned how that's a really important part of the scientific process, not just getting them out and describing them once, but keeping them and preserving them so that future questions and future scientists can take a look at those bones to answer new questions and validate results. And the site is special and also near and dear to me because it's in the Morrison Formation, known for the sauropods, Mm -hmm. of course, of the Jurassic time. And it represents one of the best bone beds ever found in the saltwash member. Yeah, the current interpretation is that the site was the result of a brachiosaurus sort of jamming up a river and then other carcasses piling up behind it. Oh, no. And that's how we got a bunch of different types of dinosaurs all fossilizing together. So, oh, no, but also, yay. (laughs) Good for us as scientists. Mm -hmm. And dinosaur enthusiasts. Yes. So there are two scheduled digs if you want to get involved with getting these bones out of the ground. You can go from July 6th to July 20th or from July 22nd to August 5th. Head over to cncc.edu slash dinodig. You'll get all of the details. Just make sure that you register online by May 31st. And again, that is cncc.edu slash dinodig, D-I-N-O-D-I-G. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now onto our dinosaur of the day, Ekrexinatosaurus, which was a request from Super Mario fans. Thanks. It was an abelosaurid theropod that lived in the late Cretaceous in what is now Argentina in the Candeleros Formation. It's estimated to be about 23 to 26 feet or 7 to 8 meters long, so probably a little smaller than Carnotaurus. Ekrexonatosaurus was robust. It had proportionately short hind limbs, and it could sustain lots of injuries from fighting. (laughs) That's an interesting thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's based on what I read about it. (laughs) It had a really large head and skull, and the skull was boxy and short and deep. It was a relatively high skull, similar to Scorpiovenator, 
and the jaw curved upwards. It had these small holes and spikes in the facial bones, especially the nasal bones. Hmm. And it probably had a wrinkled, possibly keratinous skin that covered these bones. Some of its teeth were short. There's only one species, Ecrixinatosaurus novasi, and the genus name means explosion-born reptile. The fossils were found due to a gas pipeline being built. So it was named because the fossil, quote, was discovered after its rocky tomb was dynamited. Oof. Quote. At first when you said a gas pipeline being built, I was worried about explosions of the gas pipeline. Nope. But it was just explosions to while laying it. it. Yep. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> The species name is in honor of Dr. Fernando Novas for his contributions to studying abelosaurids, and it was described in 2004 by Jorge Calvo, David Rubilar Rogers, and Karen Moreno. The holotype includes dentaries, left and partial right maxillae, teeth, vertebrae, ribs, ilia, parts of the femur and tibia, and more. Wow, that's good for a dynamite discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be a dynamite discovery. <laughs> yep. Two ways. <laughs> It, this dinosaur helped fill in gaps about abelosaur anatomy. Ecrixonatosaurus lived among carcharodontosaurids, which were bigger, but it's not clear if they had different ecological niches, hunting versus scavenging, for example. Or maybe just different prey. Yeah. Other dinosaurs that lived in the same time and place included the Titanosaur andesaurus, other sauropods like Lemaiosaurus and Nopeshospondylus, Iguanodonts, the Carcharodontosaurid Gigantosaurus, the Dromaeosaurid Butyraptor, Alvarosaurid Alnachetri, and the Salurosaur Bicentenaria, and other different animals that lived there in the same time and place included snakes, crocodiles, fish, turtles, frogs, mammals, and pterosaurs. And our fun fact of the day is that over 30 countries have made non-avian dinosaur coins I have to specify the non-avian part because most countries have probably made a coin that has a bird on it but the united states has never made a coin with a non-avian dinosaur on it at least according to the sources i looked at right because we do have the, the avian ones yes you mentioned. if you're wondering if a dinosaur coin has been minted for your country here's a quick list of all the countries and places which i found that have dinosaur coins I probably missed a couple, but I think I found most of them. In alphabetical order, <laughs> there is Afghanistan, Australia, Austria, Benin, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Burkina Faso, Cambodia, Canada, China, Congo, the Cook Islands, Cuba, Equatorial Guinea, Eritrea, <laughs> Germany, Gibraltar, Guinea-Bissau, the Isle of Man, Japan, Laos, Liberia, Mali, Mongolia, Niger, North Korea, Sierra Leone, South Africa, Tuvalu, the United Kingdom, Vietnam, and Western Sahara. was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of deep cuts in this list. <laughs> there was also a country named Nui, which is a small island country near New Zealand, which made a 25th anniversary coin for Jurassic Park. <laughs> I think it might be related to the United Kingdom because it's got the Union Jack in the corner of its flag. And I think I read that it was minted in another country like Australia or something. But interestingly, the oldest dinosaur coin that I could find is from 1987 in Mongolia, which is a pair of Nemectosaurus. That's fun. Yeah, it's really cool because obviously Nemectosaurus is from Mongolia. So they picked a dinosaur from their area. But 
there was also a huge spike in dinosaur coins in 1993. For a long time, I thought the earliest dinosaur coins were in 1993 because they're all over the place, especially in Africa. Congo, Eritrea, Liberia, Western Sahara, and some others all made dinosaur coins in 1993, obviously because of Jurassic Park, although none of them have Jurassic Park branding on them. Unlike, I think in 1997, some of them actually have the Lost World logo on the coin, which is pretty weird. Some of those ones in 1993 are pretty interesting. Congo has a Brachiosaurus, which is standing in shoulder deep water, which is pretty weird. I guess in Jurassic Park, they show the Brachiosaurus kind of walking up out of a lake. So maybe that's how they got that idea. Or it's based on some older art. Yeah, but it definitely is not the current scientific thinking. Liberia has a Carithosaurus with a crazy flexible neck. It looks like it's broken backwards, almost like one of those Egyptian art things where they're facing one direction and then their neck is facing oh, really awkwardly in the I was other thinking direction. the death pose. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a lot like the death pose actually, except that its chin is still facing down. So it's like it turned 180 degrees like an owl. <laughs> and Eritrea had a Triceratops, which came in a gold coin, which is pretty cool. So if you collect dinosaur things or coins, maybe your interests overlap at this point because there are a lot of really cool looking dinosaur coins out there, although a lot of them are pretty expensive because I guess that's just how coin collecting goes. And that wraps up this episode of Vino Dino. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to any new episodes and check out our page at patreon.com slash to join our community. Thanks again, and until next time. Good day.